Are we on? We are on. Getting situated here. How's that, Nathan? Is that good? All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, whoever's listening. Uh, my name is Vinny Gallus. I've started a radio show on this wonderful WIPZ Ranger Radio 101.5. Uh, this is going to be a faith-based podcast. That's what I'd like it to be. Uh, the plan is to talk about Jesus, his death and resurrection, uh, what it means, how to apply his teachings to our life and things like that, and how to deal with certain things that may arise in life with a biblical worldview. So that's the plan. And my first guest here is Father Malone. Patrick Malone is his full name. Uh, he is an Anglican priest, an archdeacon with the Anglican Church. We're going to talk more about that uh, as we go on. Uh, so I'm super excited to have him on. He's extremely knowledgeable. He's, a, he's a, the father of my good friend, Ben. Um, I know the joke is that Ben has to call him uh, Father Father. Is that right? Uh, That's correct. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about life, all kinds of different things. And I hope that you get a lot out of it. I hope it adds a lot of value to your day, uh, to your life. Um, so I guess... Yeah, I guess we'll just get going. So at first, I wanted to start off by asking Father Malone uh, about his upbringing. What brought him to Jesus? So I'd like to ask you, what what exactly brought you to Jesus in the first place? What what ignited the passion? Well, I was uh, raised in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, we were uh, a nominal Christian family. My father and I attended church weekly. My mother uh, did occasionally, and my two younger brothers uh, came occasionally also. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a desire to know God, but I always felt that there was a, a deep chasm mm-hmm. between he and I, and I really didn't know him. I knew about him but I didn't know him. And uh, I was baptized when I was 12. That was the tradition of the church I was raised in. Uh, But one of the interesting parts of the church uh, weekly service was that we celebrated uh, what they called the Lord's Table or Holy Communion. And that was the most meaningful part of the service to me. Okay. the pastor of the church there when I was growing up, um, he was a very earnest person, but frankly, his sermons were like uh, the adults in the Charlie Brown cartoons. Okay. You know, it was wah, 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 yeah. wah. You know, <laughs> right. really didn't understand what he was saying. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then uh, when I was about 15, there was a Bible study that I went to. And I'm sure I had heard this teaching in the past, but it never really connected with me. Mm-hmm. And that was that all people uh, may try to live a good life, but because of our selfishness, uh, we violate God's commandments. Mm-hmm. And the Bible calls that sin. Right. And we all sin and we fall short of what God desires for us. Mm-hmm. And our selfishness and sin separates us from God. Mm-hmm. But that separation 
was not uh, made by God. It was made by us. Mm-hmm. And that God wanted to heal that separation, and he did so by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so from all the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus, about Jesus, to his birth and incarnation, his life of obedience, to uh, what we call the Passion Week, Holy Week, mm-hmm. his suffering, his beatings, his bruises, uh, his mocking, uh, to his death on the cross was all a payment mm-hmm. uh, for our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of his purity and his obedience and his willingness to take our sin on, on himself, uh, God raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that narrative, that story, <clears throat> it finally made sense what the Christian life was all about. And that's when it became very personal yeah. to me. Yeah. And so um, that Bible study, uh, when, I was <clears throat> when I was 15, really changed my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it put me on a trajectory that leads us to, uh, you know, this incredible radio program mm-hmm. that we're yeah. doing today. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, that's an amazing story. Yeah, I feel like you don't, uh, with with understanding God, I, you know, I grew up in a Lutheran church, and uh, my parents were amazing at not forcing it in onto me, but but telling me, you know, hey, this is the way to go. This is this is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, I, I, I didn't care to listen in church until I was probably maybe two years ago, actually, mm-hmm. um, because I finally started to understand it. You know, before it was, I just, I believed it, and I, I, worry, I worried about my salvation, and I thought about it a lot, but I didn't, I didn't understand it, like, what it meant, what the, the death on the cross meant. Right. You know, it, it kind of became a cliche, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You know, it's like, yeah, that's that, but I didn't really think about what that meant, what it meant to, to live you know, to, to, to be God and to, to leave the throne in the kingdom of heaven and to come onto earth to kind of reconcile our relationship mm-hmm. with him and not only be a human but live, you know, be born to a teenager in a manger and then live a life as a servant to others and then, um, you know, uh, and then ultimately die a death on a cross, which is like probably the most torturous, at the time at least the most torturous um torture procedure that you could ever think of you know it, to, yeah it's be, a pretty heinous way to die yeah and humiliating yeah humiliating the people that die that that died on crosses back uh when rome was in power mm-hmm. two thousand years ago they didn't necessarily die from the pain of having you know uh iron spikes mm-hmm. uh put through their hands and feet uh they died from suffocation oh right right uh because they would hang, and many times to expedite the death, one of the Roman soldiers would uh, either break their legs so that they couldn't push themselves up, sure. or they would uh, take a spear and uh, drive it through their mm-hmm. their chest to to puncture their lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the pain and and physical suffering 
of Christ's death. You know, I'm sure you can look in history and find someone who died a more agonizing death sure. physically. Probably find somebody, yeah. But the real issue is uh, the purity of Christ and his lack of sin uh-huh. uh, made him a candidate for taking our place, mm-hmm. our, being our substitute. Right. And right. so the agony of his death was uh, the separation he experience from God from God in our place in our place right. and the the um, agony of the weight of the sins of humanity mm-hmm. being put on him mm-hmm. right and then uh, you could say that his resurrection shows us that his love is more powerful than our sin and his love is more powerful than death right yes Roman yeah. Romans uh, 1 Paul says that the resurrection of Christ is God's vindication uh-huh. of his being an obedient son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it. yeah, it, it took a while before I really understood what that meant and how this is a perfect human being and I'm a person who has this moral code embedded into me and I go against it all the time and I, I struggle with that. Um, so also, before we get going on the rest of it, because I'd like to talk about a lot of different things, but uh, you're a priest with the Anglican Church. Yes. Um what is the Anglican Church? Because it, 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 the structure seems similar to Catholicism, but as you said, yes. it's, it's Protestant doctrine. Right. So, so, what, so yeah. Um, there, there are three ancient churches. Mm-hmm. Most people know about one of them being the Roman Catholic Church. Then uh, you may some some listeners may know about the Orthodox Church, mm-hmm. which. Uh, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Antiochian. So if you think of, uh, if anyone's seen uh, my big fat Greek wedding, it's a, kind of an older movie now. I've never seen it. Um, seen it, Nathan? Everyone's yeah, parents. Everyone's oh. parents have probably seen it. Huh. But these are the this, these are the the ancient churches of Russia, Greece, uh, Jerusalem, Antioch, mm-hmm. and then the third ancient church would be the Church of England. Uh, and so Anglicanism is uh, the third largest group of churches with about 85 million uh, adherents uh, to the Anglican faith. So we are, we are a, uh, technically a Protestant church, mm-hmm. but we also bridge the gap of being a Catholic in the sense that we hold all the ancient doctrines uh, that the church has always adhered to. Okay, yeah. Um, and you're an archdeacon. Archdeacon. Yeah, that okay. just means I do uh, the dirty work that my bishop doesn't want to do. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> is there a deacon or is it arch- archdeacon? Well, well a what, deacon— Where are you on the hierarchy? Are you well, uh, uh, an archdeacon, R.K., uh, in the Greek means okay. first or beginning or leader. Okay. Gotcha. And okay. deacon in the Greek means servant. So we're oh. supposed to be like the best gotcha. servant. The best servant. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, That's, but I mean, an archdeacon is someone who assists uh, our, our our bishop in specific tasks. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Yeah. So that's kind of the background then. Yeah. Um, so, and where did you go to, to study 
Exactly. I studied uh, classical and medieval studies at Case Western Reserve okay. in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, and yeah. then I went to uh, Ashland Theological Seminary, okay. which is in between uh, Cleveland and Columbus, Ohio. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. And then I've studied, uh, there's a seminary uh, west of Milwaukee called Neshota House Theological okay. Seminary, and I've studied there as well. Do you, do you know have you do you know the Greek and Hebrew or is that not part of your your No, that's uh what my undergrad and my seminary work was in. Okay. Was uh Greek New Testament. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know the Greek? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's something I've always wanted to get into. I Yeah, the New Testament was written in the common language of the day uh which was Greek. So Okay. Most people that yep. were alive 2,000 years ago, would have their ethnic language, and they would speak Greek and Latin to some mm-hmm. extent also. Okay. Yeah. That. Um, so I guess we could – so one of the things – so we, we the, the, the entire Bible is written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, right? Right. And then Aram, is Aramaic in the, the Gospels? Is that – because Jesus spoke Aramaic, right? Yeah, there's some Aramaic in the book of Daniel. Okay. And then uh, – it's thought that portions, well, portions of Matthew have Aramaic okay. originally in it, but the all the manuscripts that we have now of the New Testament are Greek. Greek, okay. Yeah. Because um, something I've struggled with, and this is partly, because I'd like to ask a lot of questions We're about, deep diving now. Right, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> How's it going, Nathan? You doing all right? Okay. So our three our three listeners are down to, <laughs> down to one listener. And it's Nathan. He's yeah, right here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I've struggled. So myself personally, I've struggled a lot with doubt. I've struggled. Um, yeah. I, I was raised Christian, but there was a certain point in my life where I, I did have to question: Am I believing this because I was I was told to believe it? Am I believing it because this is just wishful thinking? I I, I don't like the idea of death. Maybe I believe in. Maybe the whole idea of Christianity was brought up to battle this suffering of life and and yeah. to deal with death. You know, the, this wishful thinking that there is a life after death and and that uh, and things like that. Um, so I'd like to talk about that. But so one of the things that does spark my doubt, I guess, as much as anything, is the <clears throat> the problem that do do we necessarily we don't have the autographs of the the like the literal penmanship of Paul or or any of the the Bible. Yeah, when we use the word autographs, it's the actual first editions right of each letter or gospel. Right. Uh, the new the Bible is. Uh, a compilation of 66 individual mm-hmm. books. So it's right. like a library of books. Right. And the New Testament is <clears throat> um, 30-some uh, of those books. There's letters. Uh, there's historical-type documents. Uh-huh. And uh, we do not have any original handwritten right. manuscripts from, from the the apostles, so right. we have copies of copies. Okay, at least. yeah. And so I know a, a big argument against our faith is the the possibility that these copies are have been, uh, I guess, like a game of telephone where we've lost the main message in the translations as they've gone they've gone down yeah. over the years. Yeah. Um, is there an is there an explicit answer to that? Do we, is the is there? I mean, obviously, you're not going to get exact proof of anything, but uh, is there a reasonable a reasonable reason to believe that 
the manuscripts that the oldest manuscripts that we have right now are accurate to the actual yeah. autographs. Well, uh, you know, as far as ancient literature, mm-hmm. whether it's religious or secular mm-hmm. or um, you know other other Greek or Latin histories. Uh, the Bible has the most copies of, okay. of any by thousands. There's over 5,000 uh, Greek manuscripts that come from, you know, let's say the 8th century to uh, the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we have several that are from within 60 to 70 years mm-hmm. of the death of Christ. Okay. So, and of all of those copies, you know, we're talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way to the book of Revelation, Mm -hmm. they are remarkably similar to each Mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. You may find a word spelled differently Mm -hmm. or a letter missing Mm -hmm. or a comma in the wrong place Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, a a different ending Mm -hmm. on a word. Mm-hmm. But of the thousands and thousands of copies, they're all within one or two percent of being exactly the same. Okay. Where, so there's over 5,000, as I said. Wow. Yeah. When we talk about other ancient texts like Homer's Iliad or Odyssey mm-hmm. or Plato's uh, writings right. or uh, Aristotle, we have very, very few of those. Mm-hmm. And most of those are from uh, the eighth or ninth century after the death of Christ. Okay. So we're not doubting those, right? As exactly. being legitimate and authentic, right? Classes taught about them in yes. school. Yeah. And you know, I read those and I right. studied those. Um, <clears throat> the real issue of faith uh, isn't about how much evidence we have. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting passage of Scripture at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And Jesus is there. He's about to ascend to heaven. And he's with the 11 disciples. Uh, Judas had committed suicide, if you know the the biblical story. Mm -hmm. And they're all there. And in Matthew 28, verse I think it's verse 16, says, uh, they all worshipped him but some doubted. Mm -hmm. So here are Jesus' followers. They're committed to him. He's standing there in front of them in his resurrected body. They're actually worshiping him. So they have the best evidence possible, Jesus in the flesh. Right. And yet there was lingering Mm -hmm. doubts. Right. So doubting is a natural part of our human condition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I doubt. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of good reasons to doubt. Right. There are plenty of legitimate questions that we could ask God, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. If you are actually there, mm-hmm. why are you allowing this to take place? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the heinous slaughter of people. Right. Uh, children with cancer. Watching loved ones die. Uh, you know, what we would say would be prematurely. So there are plenty of reasons to doubt. Mm-hmm. But the Christian faith, uh, 
Vinny, is not based on morality or philosophical teachings. It's based on historical evidence that there was a man named Jesus, that there were never any accusations of him uh, being a sinner, Mm -hmm. that he actually died, and there's uh, written evidence both Christian and secular in that period, and that hundreds and hundreds of people saw him in his resurrection body after he was raised. Mm -hmm. So the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is very clear that the Christian faith is based on the bodily, physical resurrection of a guy who was dead for at least three days. Mm Mm-hmm. And that if that didn't happen, then everyone should sleep in on Sunday Mm -hmm. and party as much as you want. Right. Because he calls the Christians most miserable if the resurrection isn't true. Mm -hmm. Or the most to be pitied. Yes. Yeah. So the Christian faith is not based on the fact that it's like all other religions. Mm Mm-hmm that it teaches to love other people. Mm-hmm. So it's based it, I mean, on, that is that is the center of the morality teachings, but that's not what makes the faith. Well, I would argue that many religions don't right. encourage right. you to love your neighbor. Right, yeah. That those teachings are unique to the Christian faith. But right. let's say they all do. The Christian faith is based on historical events. Right. And fundamentally, the historical event of the death, burial, and resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It, I think you said this a while back when I was talking to you. Um, you know, Buddha could have, could have not existed, and Buddhism right. would still have kind of the s- same teachings, I suppose. You know, right. it's not based off of him in this certain factual event that happened in his life, right? Right. His his teachings are beyond who he is. Right. 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 Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So. It, Kind of furthering the discussion on doubt, um, yeah. Because I, I've also myself, I've as I've struggled with doubt, I've kind of, I've, I think my problem is is the re- the reason why it it kind of plagues me is I haven't gotten the certainty that I think I feel like I need, and I haven't found proof. Quote, you know, the proof of his resurrection, the proof that he's actually there. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I, and I thought. <coughs> You know, if I if I keep looking for proof, I have a feeling I'll be in a constant pursuit, and I'll never I'll be constantly well, going in a circle. Because if I if if I did see Jesus rise from the dead, even if I was there, I have a feeling that my mind still would have found something to doubt about it. Um, right. Such as he was, it was it was a hallucination on my end, or he was some other. Or world. was he really dead? Right. Yeah. Or is this, like you said, a hallucination? Yeah. So um, it's like you're never going to get that proof, or I'm never going to get that proof that I'm constantly searching for. And so how do I deal with, I guess, well, you're going to add something to that, right? Well, we deal it. We deal with it not in the way that you would find proof in a bio- biology lab or mm-hmm. a chemistry lab. Right. Uh, that's a different type of, of science and proof. We, we find proof in the way you would uh, find proof for a historical person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wide range of of documents that right. talk about him, right? And fundamentally, uh, 
you know, I'm I'm a Christian because the the Bible and the Christian faith is the most accurate account of the reality that I live in. Mm-hmm. It gives a, a very good reason for suffering, for pain, for confusion, for hurts, for war, for any type of uh, turmoil. It also gives uh, a very accurate reason why we should care about each other. Mm-hmm. Being that everybody's a divine, or everyone's a child of God with a divine fingerprint. We are all created in God's image. Right. And so every single person, regardless of how I feel about them. Right. Or their status. or Right. Deserves my respect. Mm -hmm. And more than my respect, I am to uh, sacrifice and help them, Mm -hmm. even when it's not convenient for me. Right. So the, one of the, things that I wanted to stress, and there are a lot of confusing messages that Christianity uh, puts out, mm-hmm. but if you look at you look at the, the whole of Scripture, and the Bible is really one long story that's been played out through history, and trying to understand God through that story, mm-hmm. and the overwhelming message of that narrative, that story, is that there is a God who loves us Mm -hmm. and that he has been attempting to connect with us Mm -hmm. uh, from the early, uh, the earliest time that humans have existed. Mm -hmm. And the most perfect and full way in which God has shown us his love is through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now that had to happen at some point in history. It happened to have happen uh, two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is. It would have been more convenient if it happened thirty years ago, right? Where there'd be more people living right. to give an account for that. Mm-hmm. But it was two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. and so our our lives uh, are filled with that doubt, because not because of the evidence but because that is the normal state that we live in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah. <coughs> so, what's up? Were you going to say something? No. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I, I've always thought of it as God created us. So, let's say he created Adam and Eve, and you could, I guess you could take that as Adam and Eve as literal human beings. Maybe it's a symbolic story, but... He cre- so he created Adam and Eve, and they were sort of I, – so I guess this, this could be wrong, but I, I, my interpretation of it is Adam and Eve were sort of kind of part of God in a way, and they were sinless for a period of time um, until they used their free will to go against God. And when they used their free will to go against God, they, they, that, that would be considered sin. They've been. They separated themselves from God, since God cannot. God is a perfect being. He can't exist within the realm of sin, right? He can't exist with sin. Well, it separates uh, God from that impurity. Right. Yeah. Um, and the only way to 
trans or the only way to reconcile that was for him to show us the ultimate example of love by leaving his throne, entering the world as a human, living a perfect life, but dying a criminal's death for for all these all the criminals of the world that being everybody was a criminal. Um, so, and that's kind of what reconciled the relationship. And the only way that we can get to heaven is by accepting that and by letting the Holy Spirit into our soul and accepting Jesus as our Savior, as, as Paul would say, we're saved by grace through faith. Um, and there's nothing that we can do because we're so, <laughs> it's hard to explain, we're so broken and we're so detached from God that the only way to get us to God is for God to literally seek us out rather than us he became, doing something. He became one of us. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, the Christian faith holds to a doctrine called the Trinity where there is one divine essence and there are three persons. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, hard to wrap our mind around it, but uh, God the Father and the Son uh, devised a plan to reconcile humanity to them. Mm-hmm. And that was where uh, the son would become a, a human being mm-hmm. and would pay the penalty for our sin. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we violate God's uh, commandments, when, when we hurt each other, we want some type of recompense, mm. some way of, of healing that wound, of justice being paid. So when, when we uh, get in a car crash and it's our fault, the person that we crashed into, they want that injury to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And a way to think about it is that there has to be a payment mm-hmm. to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in our American individualistic culture, it's hard for us to think about why one person would be able to pay for the sins of many other people. Um, But, you know, imagine uh, there's a perfect story in the Old Testament that many people know about uh, David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. And the Jews were battling with the Philistines and uh, the the, Goliath the uh, one of the warriors, whose name was Goliath, he was a monstrous human being. Uh, he yelled out for the Israelites, the children of Israel, the Jews, to send out their greatest warrior, mm-hmm. and there would be a mano a mano fight between the best soldier of the ancient people, the Philistines, and the best soldier of the Jews, and so. David, the, uh, who wasn't king yet, he was a, a shepherd, he represented the Jewish people. And so there was this agreement, whoever would kill the other uh, warrior would be the winner. Yep. Yep. And if, the, if Goliath won, the Jews would be slaves to the Philistines. And if Israel won, the Philistines would be their slaves. And mm-hmm. so there, you know, to summarize, there was a battle and David won. So this is the way the Bible looks at things, that there are certain people who represent 
and stand in uh, for all of God's people. Mm -hmm. And so Adam was that. And uh, Jesus also became that representative, that substitute Mm -hmm. for us. He stood in our place. Mm -hmm. So the Bible, if if anyone wants to read this, you look at uh, Romans chapter 5, goes into great detail Mm -hmm. on how uh, Adam sinned and brought sin into the world and death through sin. Mm -hmm. But that the other Adam, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. through his obedience, uh, brings righteousness to all Mm -hmm. people. And so when we are trusting in what Christ accomplished, uh, then we re- we receive the gift of salvation and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so faith isn't a blind leap. Christian faith is looking at the pattern and consistency of God's word and how Jesus Christ has been a consistent, obedient son of God. And he says, trust in me, and I will give you this forgiveness mm-hmm. of your sins. Yep. So when, for example, when Vinny and I came into this recording studio, none of us took out uh, scientific measuring devices to see if the seats w- that we're sitting in would hold our weight. Right. We looked at them. Right. They've held other people. Uh, they look substantial enough to hold my weight, and mm-hmm. so we sat down. Mm-hmm. That's what Christian faith is. Right. That Jesus was the consistent, obedient son of God, that his death was not deserved, but he took it anyways on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And that if we trust in him, the way we trust in a chair when we walk into a room, uh, God will give us as a gift for our faith uh, the forgiveness of sins. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Jesus, yeah, because Jesus is known as the second Adam or the yes. other Adam. Right. Um, I, I, that's an interesting uh, comparison between Adam and Jesus, is whereas Adam <clears throat> went up with his... You know, he 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 put his morals on the level of God. He went he went up, and then Jesus did the opposite. He came down, like right. he, he was God. He came down to he, our level. He condescended, right? He yeah. humbled himself. Yeah, that's a very interesting idea. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a really true representation of his love for us. Yeah, um, what would you what would you say to the Christians who take advantage of his grace and? use his grace as a his his death on the cross as a justification to just keep sinning what would you say to them as like because i talk to a lot of uh people who claim to be christians and they are certainly you know i'm I'm in no place to point the finger but according to the biblical principles they're they're they seem to be living against much of what the bible teaches and their their justification for that is jesus loves me jesus forgives me regardless of of what i do Therefore, you know, basically, what's the big deal? Because I'm going to go to he- heaven either either way. I am not killing anyone, so I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just doing this. You know. Yeah, um, let me read two short uh, passages of Scripture. Okay. Uh, this is from Romans 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, or by no means. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. So forgiveness and salvation are seen in three different ways. I'm saved from my past. I'm being saved right now and I will be saved uh, when I die. Mm -hmm. And the genuine Christian doesn't play around with God's grace. Hmm. And I would tell the person who thinks that they can go on sinning because God is so forgiving that they're on very, very slippery, thin ice. Right. Right. that they're playing with something very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we are very adept at deceiving ourselves. And we are very able to create scenarios in our mind that deceive us and really don't correspond to reality. That somehow I'm the special one who can take advantage of God. Mm -hmm. And what you find yourself is you're down the road two or three, five, ten years, and suddenly, just like all of us, you're doubting God Mm -hmm. because you've walked so far away from his love. Mm -hmm. And what Paul says in the 1 Corinthians passage, 1 Corinthians 15, starting at the first verse, is that there is a sense that... Not that we have to work to gain God's grace, but we need to remain in his grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we remain in his grace by staying near to the gospel, Mm -hmm. staying near to the truth that I am a desperate sinner, that I need help every day, every moment of the day, that I need to be near my loving Father, through Jesus Christ, and that I never, I should never take advantage or, or take for granted uh, the love and grace of God. Right. Yeah. Um, w- by staying near his grace, uh, we need to stay near his word, uh, near receiving Christ in the Lord's Supper, uh, near other Christians to encourage us, this is what we call call the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, other Christians hearing God's word, praying together, uh, receiving Holy Communion when it's offered at our church. It's when we stay near to these things that our f- faith will be stable and strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I like that that story of um, I think it was a prostitute that was going to be stoned by I I can't remember where it was, but. Um, and I think the the people who were going to throw the stones told Jesus, you know, surely if if you know you follow Old Testament law, you will throw the stone at this woman. And he said to them, um, "Well, he who is without sin, throw the first stone." Meaning, if if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. Um, 
And, of course, everybody's with sin, so they, they had no right to throw a stone. Um, and then when Jesus talked to the prostitute after that was all said and done, uh, I obviously I'm not an expert. I can't remember the exact uh, dialogue, but he, he said something along the lines of, I forgive you. And then he said, now go and sin no more. So right. I forgive you. So, so in, in a way, it's we're not sinning because we're already forgiven, because we're already saved. Rather, you know, as opposed to other maybe religions, they, they're, not, they're trying not to sin and living, living righteously in order to get to heaven. But for us, it's we're not sinning because of our love for God, because we're already saved. Right. Is that a good? Yeah. One of, one of the things, and, and this is a legitimate uh, criticism of Christianity, is we're so enamored with um, the forgiveness of God that we forget we're sinners as well. Right. And so God, uh, rather, uh, Jesus is consistently harsh and criticizes the religious people who aren't loving. Mm -hmm. And he's consistently compassionate to people that are wrapped up in the messiness and sin of life. Mm -hmm. So Jesus wasn't saying that the prostitute didn't deserve to be stoned. Okay. That was God's law. Mm -hmm. And he didn't say don't stone her. Mm -hmm. Right. He was criticizing the people that were eager to mm -hmm. stone her because they thought they were better than her. Mm -hmm. And Jesus' point is, they weren't better than her, mm -hmm. that they should have been there to help this woman mm -hmm. get out of that situation. Right. Show love to her. Yeah, yeah, to show love to her. Um, so Jesus wasn't removing the penalty for sin there. He was right. demonstrating that we all deserve that penalty mm -hmm. because he then uh, was compassionate to her and he says he said to her what he says to all of us go and sin no more yeah right right exactly um another thing that i worry about with a lot of people that i that i talk to cuz i try i try to bring up the gospel to a lot of people especially you know if i'm out at some sort of gathering or party you know people know that i'm a christian so i'll bring it up to them and i'll ask them you know and a lot of people don't that I'll, that I'll talk to don't believe, and I ask them, I always, my first question is why, you know, what's the reason? And a lot of them would say, I grew up Catholic, I grew up in, a chur in the church, and I was pushed away by it, but by the people of the church. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, and also they say stuff like, the, the, the teachings of the Bible, they're great, but they don't all, you know, they don't all really do it for me. You know, I, you know, I want to I wanna do this, and the Bible says not to do that, therefore, and it seems like they're, they're saying, that what's convenient for them is what's true. I guess they're not. It seems. I mean, it seems like they're not so concerned with the truth. Rather, they're concerned about what feels good for them and what's convenient for them. Well, we're all that way. We're all that way. Yeah. Um, and what, and yeah. the anyone with any common sense would see that the Christian Church is an absolute mess. <laughs> and. Uh, the reason it's an absolute mess is because there's people involved. Mm -hmm. But if you look under the rock, the rocks in any human institution, 
whether it's here at UW Parkside or it's uh, in your family or at church or, you know, city, state, federal government, it's all a mess. Mm. And the reason people get so upset about the church is we try to portray ourselves as being uh, righteous right. when we're not. Right. Hypocritical. We're hypocritical. But, frankly, everyone's hypocritical. Right. Uh, every institution is filled with hypocritical people. Mm-hmm. The church should be the one that is humble, uh, protects the weak and vulnerable, and deals with swift justice to those who hurt the weak and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus says it's better for a person to have a large stone wrapped around their neck and thrown into the ocean than to, than to hurt a little person, a little one, a child. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus is very uh, harsh towards those who hurt uh, weak and vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that just because the church is filled with hypocrites that we should disregard the church disregard because the, yeah. the church is the is the human institution that Jesus founded mm-hmm. and where he promises his grace can be found. Mm-hmm. And it is unfortunate, and it's the history of the church, uh, that it's a mess, but it's most successful when it admits its mess and humbly uh, kneels before God and tries to lead other people to be humble as mm-hmm. well. Right. There are wonderful churches in the Milwaukee area and around the world. Holy Cross is a decent one. I, I feel that it is. <laughs> Holy Cross, 1115 tomorrow morning. Yeah. In Brookfield on North Calhoun. Yeah. Um, Very good. Nathan, you should go. We should go together, actually. Um, but when people, when Christians are humble and loving, that's when the church is most successful. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, going back to what I was originally going to ask you, that's good. That's good insight. Um there's another question I was going to ask, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, so I, I guess the question was, yeah, so th- is that how you would communicate to to a person who is kind of disregarding the truth because of the abuse of, of the faith? Like there, I, I know there's a quote by uh, Augustine. Is that how you say it? Augustine. 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 Either way. Yeah, Augustine. Uh, he, he says, never judge a faith by its abuse. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. That's what I th- I think I I think that's I think that's him who said that, um, and I think that's really interesting because there's I I hear that it's the most common reason that people aren't Christians is because they have had a bad experience with the people of the church, right? And I've always tried to communicate to them that that's you know they're not representing Jesus the way they maybe they should be. Um, of course, there are going to be people who, you know, people could be representing Jesus in a good way, and they're still gonna not you know accept it but a lot of people they there there are people who 
represent Jesus in a bad way. They could be seen as uh, kind of oppressive to people who, you know, who are, are unlike them or something like that. I guess you'd call that xenophobic. Um, and they're turned off by that, and they automatically, for some reason, assume that that's the faith. That's Jesus. And I, I don't know exactly how to communicate that that's not. That's not the truth, the way, and the, light, the way, the truth, and the life that's being represented in their life that they've experienced. Well, I think there are some people that have been legitimately hurt by right. uh, people in the church. I also think that it's a convenient excuse for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hurt mm-hmm. by leaders in the church. And it hurt, and it mm-hmm. it uh, messed my uh, messed my mind up for a while, mm. and it was hard to be in a good relationship with God because of that. Mm-hmm. But if you understand what the church is, it's a hospital for sick people, mm-hmm. and the medication that God hands out are His Word. Uh, the Lord's Supper, baptism, prayer, his love. Um, It's not an institution where people should be uh, grabbing power. Right. It's it's an organism of of his demonstration of his love. Right. Uh, What were you saying? We have five minutes. Do we have to? Can we keep going after the five minute mark? Okay, okay. Um, I charge extra after the. You charge? Ah, oh, he's already Night. charging like two hundred an hour for this. No, I'm just kidding. He's not. He's actually. I'll buy you a gift card though. Okay. I appreciate All you right. coming out. That's <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Uh, trying to be like Christ was was my other topic that I wanted to talk about. Um. Good luck who, on that. <laughs> <laughs> try, trying to be like Christ. Um, of course, it's inevitable that we will fail in this life, but uh, I've always known that through my experience, uh, the more that I've aligned my morals with God's will, the, the closer I've felt to God. And of course, that's of course, because sin separates us from God. Um, uh, how, how, do you, how do people deal with how how would you talk to somebody who is dealing with sin such as addiction or um, sexual sin, lust, stuff like that? That's so like I found that emotions are so powerful. Emotions are uh, like even with David. Dave, David let his emotions get to him to the point that he he committed adultery and he even murdered somebody. And he was known as a person that was after God's own heart. So I I struggle with. So, so I, I look at that and I, and I say, well, David, David, even David fell to that. Um, emotions are that powerful that they can take advantage of of somebody like that. Um, how do we how do how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? That's the question. Well, the 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 church and the scripture has taught that the way a person can remain close to God is by remaining close to the tools that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And those tools, uh, theologians call it the, the means or the tools of grace. 
Mm-hmm. And those things are God's word, prayer, and Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. And people that stay close to those things and are thinking about God's word, meditating on God's word, uh, having a life of prayer, will find that they struggle less mm-hmm. with the temptations of the world. Mm-hmm. Those temptations will always be there. Mm-hmm. And there are certain temptations that are common mm-hmm. to humanity. There are certain temptations that are common to men. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that are temptations uh, to women because of our makeup and nature. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are things that cross over. But the more that I practice the habits or the disciplines, of the Christian faith, and this is one of the the things that I appreciate about my Anglican understanding of the Christian faith, is we have certain habits that, or certain practices, or or we can call them disciplines, that we use each day throughout the day to keep our lives focused Mm -hmm. on the love of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are fundamentally throughout the week prayer and God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always, I mean, every every time I pray, I, I do get this sense of, oh, what are we at right now? Uh, should, should, we, should we do it? Should we do the thing now? All right, awesome. We're just going to take a very quick break. Uh, this is Vinnie Gallus and Archdeacon Father Malone talking to you about Jesus. We're back. All right, so we have only a little bit left here. We're going to probably wrap up in about 15 minutes, actually. Just a couple final thoughts. Uh, and I had one more question about um, struggling with the suffering of life. That was my last thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, obviously, life is uh, full of suffering, full of um, darkness and uh, tribulation, um, so much so that I think the one of the four noble truths of Buddhism is that life is suffering. Um, and obviously, Christianity makes that very clear um, as well. Uh Uh, C.S. Lewis has a good quote. Um, Life as a Christian is not immune from suffering, but rather peace with suffering. Any tips on how to achieve that peace, how to get to the point to where, like Job, where we could lose everything, but our relationship with God is strong enough that we're content? Yeah, there's no one answer that covers all suffering. But the scripture does give us some insight as to why there is suffering. Mm-hmm. So pain pain is here as as uh, part of life. And you know when I was uh, much younger in high school, I played football and I wrestled mm-hmm. and uh, pain was a part of that process and sometimes pain can come into our lives because something is being restored uh, you know the the muscle fiber is broken down and uh, that pain happens because of chemical reactions or mm-hmm. whatever but also the muscle is rebuilding mm-hmm. while we're resting And so 
uh, pain happens because uh, God is putting us through a test at times. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think most people struggle with is by nature we see the world and the universe uh, circling around us. We're the main actor in the play of the universe. And so we see our lives as being the most important in the universe at this time. And that's a common perception that we all have. Why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. And a legitimate answer is, why not you? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what is so special about you? Why should I be immune from pain? Mm-hmm. Uh, so pain, pain is, is common to life because uh, sin is common to life and, and injury is common to life. And sometimes pain uh, teaches us that, you know, really we're not the most important person mm-hmm. in the universe. Mm-hmm. And then we have to ask ourselves, are there ways that I cause pain? Mm-hmm. Am I causing pain in people's lives through my own selfishness and self-centered uh, perspective on things? Or even in your own life, perpetuating the yes. pain in your own life. Yeah, yeah, creating pain in my own life through addiction or selfishness or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, the, the goal that God has for each person is that, you know, number one, that we're in a loving relationship with him. And that secondly, for the Christian, that we are to be molded more and more into the image of Christ Mm. and Christ went through pain. Mm -hmm. So why should we think that we're not going Mm. to go through it as a Christian? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said the student is not greater than the master. Mm. And if he experienced pain and suffering, then we should also. And when we're in in pain and suffering, it's many times during that period of time where we're asking the big questions about life. Why? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, You know, it's when we're at the party and the wine is flowing and the beer is flowing or whatever, we're not thinking about the why. Mm Mm-hmm. We're in the moment partying. Mm-hmm. But when we're in that despair and agony, we're asking the, the big questions. Right. And what the scripture teaches us is God is not distant from you at that time. Mm. He's right there with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he knows what it's like to be in pain and suffering mm-hmm. because uh, his son, Jesus Christ, went through that. Mm-hmm. So is, God is not a distant deity who could care less about you. God is right there next to mm-hmm. you. And all he says is, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be delivered, will mm-hmm. be saved. Mm-hmm. And so it's in the midst of that pain and suffering that we are many times closest to God. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he won't he, he won't give us a life that makes him unnecessary as well. He, he, right. he there are times where you, you will feel you, that you are forced to get on your knees and pray because, you know, and, the, and through that experience, I suppose he's mol- he's molding you into the person that he wants you to be. Which you know, is, I've, I've worked as a hospice chaplain and a hospital chaplain. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of suffering. Mm hmm. Uh, industrial explosions, 
babies dying uh, prematurely. And there aren't a lot of good answers for why that happened. Right. Um, and it's easy to use that as uh, a vehicle to doubt God. Uh-huh. And I, I completely understand that. Right. But I go back to the fact that God stepped into human suffering through his son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and he's there with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's like joy is, should not be dependent upon your circumstances, right? Because, um, I, I mean, I've seen, we've all seen celebrities who have gotten everything. You know, circumstances are, are amazing, almost perfect that you could ever imagine. And they kill themselves. They commit suicide. Yeah, what's the the Jim Carrey quote? He says, I hope that everyone gets all the money they want Mm -hmm. so that they can see that it's uh, emptiness. Mm -hmm. It's not the answer. It's not the answer. Yeah. And then you you also have people who have nothing, um, such as in the biblical story of Job um, or Paul, that they, they... they still praise God amidst that that suffering, and they're rather content. They're very content, and I think that that's something to be strived for. Really, um, how in, how it's so interesting to me how you could have one person who has everything, and they're miserable to the point that they commit suicide, and another person who has nothing, who is joyful, and grateful for every day, spreading joy, spreading love, being yeah. as godly as they can be. Um, it, it it it. I think that that's evidence for. The Holy Spirit, right there. That's some evidence, right there, that it how it transforms your outlook, how God provides you with that contentment with the chaos of life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, is that that's about it for me. I think that was a pretty good conversation. I just wanted to finish up on that note. Uh, yeah, I I, I thank you for listening in to the podcast. Um, Hopefully many more to come. Uh, I think I'm going to have a friend of mine on next week uh, at some point. Um, so. Well, it's been an honor uh, to be here with you, Vinny. And uh, I just, uh, my prayer is that uh, people would find hope. And uh, the best place to find hope is in a relationship with God. Mm. That's a good note to end on. So thank you, Father Malone. You're welcome. Patrick Malone. I'm Vinny Gallus. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good week.